0: And, um, you know, when we read the Bible, um, there's one thing that comes screaming out all the way through the Bible, and that is God is a God of justice. He cares about important issues in our world. And Lawrence has just already touched on quite a few issues in his prayers. Uh, we're going to this month think about issues of justice. There's so many of them uh, we're going to just touch on four. next week. Uh, we, we've got Henny and Werner coming to, to be with us. Uh, they work for Open Doors, and uh, they're going to come and talk about the persecuted church and uh, their old friends, and we're l- looking forward to them, uh, welcoming them welcoming them to be with us. And uh, the following week, we will uh, think about creation. It's a justice issue, how we look after the planet, caring about the world that God has made. And then the final Sunday in the month, we're going to look at um, money. We're going to think a little bit about money, money, markets, and morals, and uh, um, there we go. So we'll give it a go and uh, think about these big issues. We're just going scratch the surface, I guess, but there we go. And this week, we're thinking about the issue of race, racial justice. And uh, I've called this talk that I'm going to have in a minute, uh, We Need to Talk About Race. And I've shamelessly stolen that uh, from the title of this book uh, by someone called Ben Lindsay, uh, who wrote this book um, just a couple of years ago. And uh, he is, uh, or was till very recently, a pastor of a church. He's black, but it was a white majority church. Uh, And and he's talking about what it's like uh, all his life being sort of in that ethnic minority in in a white church context. He actually um, did a talk originally for Tunbridge Wells Baptist Church, but actually it was designed to be for all the churches in this area Baptist, but also others as well. And that talk is going live on our website after this service so uh, 11 o'clock 25 minute talk uh, and i really think it's really worth hearing uh, listening to him seeing what he has to say so uh, we're going to read the bible now and uh, john is going to read to us uh, from acts
1: chapter 6 uh, verses 1 to 7 in those days when the number of disciples were increasing The Hellenistic Jews among them complain against the Hebrew Jews because their widows are being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of Holy Spirit, also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They present this man to the apostles who pray and lay their hands on them so the word of God spread the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith John thank you very much
0: it must have been so incredible to be part of the early church you just have to read through the book of Acts to see the excitement. Numbers being added to, uh, to, to, to their group daily. Um, rapidly growing. Uh, that day of Pentecost when the Spirit came in power and they all heard uh, the message from the Apostle Peter in their own languages. And uh, you know, they saw miracles, they saw demons being driven out. Uh, they lived together in fellowship and shared their possessions together it was an extraordinary time and you can just see the excitement of it as you read the book of Acts but there were problems too Uh, you know when God moves in power that doesn't mean you're gonna have no problems (laughs) there are gonna be issues and you've got to face them head-on and you've got to look at them and one of the issues was persecution uh, as we'll look at that next week. But another issue was actually that of racial justice. Now the big issue that they were gonna face was gonna be the bringing together of Jews and Gentiles. You know, it was like never the twain shall, shall meet, you know. The Jews were God's people and the Gentiles weren't until now <laughs> and God brought them all together. But actually that hadn't happened properly yet in the book of Acts that happens later in the book of Acts this passage here deals with a more internal uh, among the Jews but nonetheless an internal issue of racial justice now I love this passage and I've preached on it uh, and I've read it many many times and there's brilliant lessons in this passage about leadership about empowering others about knowing what God's called you to do and all these things. But you know what? The fact that it's actually a passage about racial justice is something that I missed until recently. It's something that I overlooked. And actually, that's kind of the point of this message. It's easy to overlook. So the numbers of disciples were increasing, and there's a complaint Arises. Now, people love to complain, don't they? (laughs) Don't they? (laughs) And when you think, oh, here we go, someone's just going to have a moan. And sometimes people just want to have a moan. But you've got to ask also, is there something behind that complaint? And in this case, there really was. The Hellenistic Jews were complaining against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked. In the daily distribution of food now in early church they knew that the widows were vulnerable people in this male-dominated world if you're a widow you needed looking after and it was a top priority in Scripture and for the people here to look after widows and some of them weren't being properly looked after it was actually a serious issue but who were these two groups they were all Jews, they all believed in the God of Israel and had come to find faith in Jesus, but they actually had two different cultures. The Hebraic Jews were the ones that were were kind of, they spoke Aramaic, they didn't speak Hebrew, they spoke Aramaic, which is kind of derivative of Hebrew, the language of the day. That's what they spoke, and they were well and truly part of that Hebrew culture. And they were the majority culture. Um, The Hellenistic Jews spoke Greek. And not just that, they they were kind of Greek in their culture. They they were different. Now, they were in the minority. Now, we don't know how much, what the percentages were, but one uh, guess that I read was that between 10 and 20 percent of the Jews in this community were Hellenistic Jews. So a significant minority, but nonetheless a minority. And what was happening? Their widows were being overlooked. So I want you to notice that word, overlooked. (laughs) It wasn't on purpose. It wasn't intentional. They were being overlooked. Now, when it comes to the issue of racial justice, racism, I'm going to just say, I'm sure (laughs) that when we hear blatant over-racism, we're shocked, we're appalled. We're not good with that. (laughs) We know that's wrong. And I'm going to take that as a given. (laughs) And yet, racial injustices can still take place because people can get overlooked. And things can happen without us realising it, without us seeing it. We sang that song, open the eyes of my heart, Lord. And actually we need our eyes opening to the things that we don't see. Now the Hebraic people just didn't see it. Why? Because they were the majority culture. They didn't see the issue. But when it was brought to their attention, what did the apostles do? Well, they gathered a meeting, they gathered everyone together and they listened. And if there's one key thing we need to be doing when it comes to this area of justice is we need to be listening. Just listen. What is the issue here? Tell me about it. My wife Tanya did the talk earlier and uh, she uh, looks white. But actually she's mixed race. Uh, Her dad is Sri Lankan and her mum is English and uh she has a sister called Cheryl who uh they have the same parents (laughs) but she's got darker skin Cheryl's got darker skin now growing up in Fellbridge just the other side of East Grinstead Tanya had no problem really but Cheryl faced racism in school same parents same school same place but a different experience. And Cheryl's friends who were all white said, oh, you know, don't worry about it. Just, you're being oversensitive, Cheryl. It's not such a big deal. Uh, You know, and they were good friends, and they still are, she's still friends with them. But they didn't get what it was like for her. It was different for her. In fact, she didn't find anyone who really got what it was like until she met Brian, who's now her husband. He's Canadian, but he happens to be half Sri Lankan and half Scottish, of all things. (laughs) It's okay, God loves Scottish people as well. I really believe that. (laughs) But until she met Brian, and he was the first person that she met who actually said, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Now, it was not intentional for all of her friends, but you know what? Um, We can overlook this. We can so easily overlook this. So it's so important to listen. Now, the apostles could have said, Oh, we're so sorry about this. This is terrible. But then done nothing about it. (laughs) Now, it wouldn't have been much use, would it? And I'm afraid sometimes when we hear about things like this, we say, Oh, I'm so sorry. It's terrible. But then we don't do anything about it. And it's not really any use being sorry then, is it? Because it doesn't really do anything. (laughs) Or they could have said, look, you're making a mountain out of a molehill. Most people are being fed. Just get on with it. You know, sort yourselves out. (laughs) No, they listened. And then they were attentive to the issue. We're told here that they gathered everyone together. Now they said, it wouldn't be right for us to neglect the ministry of the Word of God in order to wait on tables. They weren't saying that this was beneath them. But they just thought, we need to take this seriously, but we know that we have a calling to ministering the word of God. So what they did was, they said, choose seven men from among you. They were all men. That's another issue, but we'll talk about that another day. Choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to, to them, and we'll focus on what God's called us to do, to prayer and to the word. They took it really seriously. They listened and then they took action. They didn't just stop with saying, oh, we're really sorry. They took action. And then they chose seven men. And John read all the names out. And this is the thing I'd missed. All those names, they're all Greek. They were all Greek people. Now, we know we can't know 100% whether they you know which group exactly they belong but they had the greek culture because they were greek names this was positive discrimination if you like now you could have said well what, what, what about this why, why didn't they have the hebraic jews over here and then make sure that those widows got fed and then we'll put the the, the greek-speaking widows over here we'll separate them and make sure they're all well catered for why didn't they no because they knew they had something so special. See, Jesus, when he died on the cross, he'd brought them together. He brought breaks down the barriers. And they, they had this incredible life in community that they'd never experienced before, and they did not want to lose that. So they had to work quite hard. And so what did they do? They appointed seven men to do this who were all kind of Greek speakers, and they had Greek names. Now you can say, well, wait a minute, what about the Hebraic Widows, aren't they going to get overlooked? Well, no, because there's 80% then, them. They're going to be fine. <laughs> we have to look after the minorities. Now, here in Pembroke, you may have noticed, but we're mostly kind of a white part of the UK. Um, the 2011 census, uh, in that, there were, I think, 86% people describe themselves as white. That means like 14% ethnic minorities. So 10 years later, we've all done another census, and we'll have to see what the results are there. But actually, in the 2011 census, the population of Pembury was 97% white, and so 3% ethnic minorities. So not, but it really is, we're, we're more white than a lot of other places in the country. And uh, it may have changed, it probably has changed a bit, but let's just say when the results come out from the 2021 census, it's like 95% white in Pembury and 5% uh, ethnic minority. We could say, well, it's not a big deal then. <laughs> what does God say? says, you know what, I'm going to leave behind the 99 and I'm going to go for the one. That is what God is like. He cares for the one. He cares for every single one. He cares for you. We all matter to God. We're all important. Our issues are all important in his eyes. We might get overlooked. Certain things might get overlooked. But God sees it all. And if it matters to one person, it matters to us all. And so let's say we're a church of 100 proportionally then let's say we have three people who are ethnic minorities or five people who are, what matters to one person matters or should matter to everybody when one part of the body suffers we all suffer there are today this is a hot topic isn't it because you know just over a year ago um, there was that awful murder of george floyd and then it just went like crazy wildfire all over the world because of social media and all the rest of it and I know that you know be all sorts of voices rising up angry angry voices we understand that but sometimes we can feel a little bit on the back foot and say you know what, uh, uh, uh. yeah. and, and there are some voices kind of in our culture today that are almost trying to say well you know what we're right and you're wrong <laughs> and it's kind of an unforgiving voice And so, the temptation might be, well, I'm just going to back off from this, because if I say something, I'll probably say the wrong thing anyway. (laughs) We in the church should actually be at the forefront of fighting for justice. Thank you. Racial justice, of course, all sorts of other justices as well. But we need to have our voice in there. Now, we understand forgiveness. We understand reconciliation. We understand... (laughs) The heart of God, and so we, our message is so much better. But this is on the heart of God. We don't want to get cancelled out in our cancel culture. <laughs> We've got to speak out for justice, and do it fearlessly. And you might say, Dan, what do you know about this? You're white, and all of it, you know. Well, it's because I'm white that it's really good for me to talk about this. You say, Dan, you don't understand about this. You're going to get it wrong. For sure. I know I've got it wrong many times. And I don't understand. But I'm still going to speak out about it. Because it's on the heart of God. And it's also where we're heading. Now, a few chapters later in the book of Acts, we hear about a church in Antioch. And it was just so wonderfully Multicultural tragically and we don't see it but you know and we might not think it's a big deal but we have often (sighs) we've made christianity look like something it's not really the jesus with the blonde hair and the blue eyes (laughs) did he no he didn't sorry (laughs) it's middle eastern (laughs) yeah that's not just in old paintings that's in hollywood today you know, there's a, a whole lot of history. And we might say, look, it's not a big deal. Look, get, get past it. I'm always amazed when I meet people, say, from other countries. And, and, and they, they, like, okay, maybe a former colony. Or maybe a country where the British took their culture and Christianity with them. And there's still this perception yeah, that's a bit of a white man's religion. I said, what? No, I'm a crazy. I got to listen. I got to listen so they took this incredible act to look after the the minority and uh, they paid attention they took radical steps to bring about justice within their community and what happened the word of God spread like wildfire the numbers of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests of all people became obedient to the faith God blessed them they grew in number and they face these issues head on. Now, folks, where are we heading? We are heading ultimately to share in God's presence in heaven with the early church in Acts, with the church of all history, and with our brothers and sisters all over the world today. And, you know, you get what I'm saying. At Revelation chapter 7 John has a vision of heaven. And what does he say? He says this, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were holding white, branch, white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. all united with one voice and yet different tongues, different languages, different tribes, different nations. Sometimes we might say well I don't see color but you know what? God does see color because that's the way he made us. He made us different and those differences remain in heaven. God loves diversity. And they're all united why because they're all praising and worshiping god on the throne they're praising and worshiping jesus who died for them he died to break down the barriers he died for his church he died to bring unity he died to 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 to, to get rid of suspicion and fear and judgment he died so that we can all experience fellowship together when i was in my early 20s i had uh, just it felt like a taste of this i was so privileged i'd only been a christian a couple of years and i just finished music college i went and did a course a 10-week course in london it's called the christian in the modern world and uh, i was doing the doing the sound desk actually and and i uh, so i got in for free and there was on this course there was 50 people from 23 different nations and i looked i've still got the list uh, of all the people, there was, uh, there was Pastor Chang Yong no who would sit at the back every day for 10 weeks next to me and talk to me and encourage me in my faith. He was an incredible guy. I had a massive church in South Korea, and, and I was so fortunate. There was Father Felix from Myanmar, who was a big leader in his country in the church. And uh, you know, after this course, he would write to me, and uh, he would just encourage me in my faith. I was so blessed. And at the end of this course, there was, um, there was a celebration of all the different cultures, well, it was all the way through. But I remember one of the evening celebrations We're all gathered around, 50 people, and in the middle was Ebenezer Obadiah from Ghana. And he was, basically, he was singing and dancing before the Lord. You know, Tanya mentioned King David. King David danced before the Lord, right? <laughs> Some people were offended. But Ebenezer Obadiah was dancing before the Lord, just giving it one um, and I was stood next to John Stott, who had organized the course, and John Stott is not a dancer, and uh, he, he would have been a hundred. He was the most incredible man of God. you met him, he was like meeting fire it was i 'm not joking, but he, he was as stiff and as English and as boarding school as you could get and he 's standing there, but you know what he said, "I love this, I love this." He was rejoicing in the expression of praise that Ebenezer Obadiah was bringing to the Lord and 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 he didn't feel he had to become like that (laughs) anything. you get what i'm saying this is a tiny taste now i know we're in Pembrey and i know we're majority white but heaven isn't (laughs) and so let's listen we don't need to be defensive we don't need to be dismissive we don't need to be afraid This is who God's made us to be. We're gonna come now to the communion table. And what does this represent? This represents us being brought together. We are one body, brought together by the death of Jesus. We drink from the same cup. We eat from the same loaf. We are one body. Many, many people diverse we represent the global church even here we are one body this is the table not of the church but of the Lord it is to be made ready for those who love him and who want to love him more so come come if you have much faith and come if you have little Come if you've been here often and if you have not been for a long time. If you've tried to follow and if you've failed, come not because I'm inviting you, but because Jesus is inviting you. And it's his will that those who want him should meet him here.